This podcast is brought to you in part by Shorewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Let us shoulder the burden for you. And check us out at Shorewinder.com. Hey guys, Ryan here with Torch Talk Podcast. Did you know that I also run a marketing agency with the absolute best crew? I keep hearing from other garage door companies how their SEO company or their web design company is just not cutting it. We never hear that here. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we work really, really hard for you door guys out there. Check us out, suchandsuchmedia.com. You got the pricing and everything right on the website. Full transparency. And we're going to work really hard because you are the champion of your story. And we just want to be a small part of your success and celebrate it with you. Great customer service. Amazing web design. Phenomenal SEO. It's going to get you ranked. Give us a shout such and such media.com. What's up guys? Ryan here. Season five, five, we've gone five seasons. So if we're doing roughly 20 episodes a season, that's 20 times four that we've done. So is that hundred? Oh my goodness. Done over a hundred episodes. That's nuts. Well, the fact that we're still in the game and you guys are still listening and we still have sponsors means we must be doing something right. Uh, today we've got Matt Weber. You guys are no, he's no stranger to the podcast. Uh, Matt is somebody that I look up to, um, on the financial side, uh, actually just hired him recently to help me with some financial stuff. And uh, we'll get into some of that today, but I'm really here today to try to pick his brain and us just have a discussion about where we're at as an industry, because I feel like since we completed season four to where we're at with season five, I don't know if you guys are dealing with the same thing I'm dealing with, but it is mass chaos, like to the extreme. I'm going home one day and I'm like, babe, we're doing so great. I'm going home the another day and I'm like, I want to give up. I just want out. I don't want to do this no more. And then I go home the next day. I'm like, babe, things are going great. And then it's like, my wife's like, oh my God, just stop telling me about your days. Uh, so it's, uh, it flip flops and it's dramatic and there's high highs and low lows right now. And I'm really hoping through this podcast that we can bring some knowledge and some ideas to you. Uh, I am brainstorming like crazy, coming up with ideas on different things that we can do. And uh, I'm willing to share those with you, give you my secrets on things that even I had an idea yesterday, I think is going to be personally a home run. Um, And so I'll share all that with you guys as well as uh, I know Matt's going to give some good feedback. Uh, Matt, how have you been? Man, we're doing well out here. Uh, Yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy. I mean, everything's changing. It seems like week to week. Uh, month to month for the last uh, year and a half, really, uh, when it comes down to it. But uh, yeah, things have been uh, things have been real well. Um, you know, it's a it's a sticky situation trying to trying to navigate today's industry and uh, today's world, for that matter. Yeah, we're not the only ones dealing with this. I mean, this is across the board in the building industry, um, construction industry, retrofit. Doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's HVAC electrical everybody's dealing with some sort of issues um i want to kind of jump right into uh, a little bit of like the state of the industry um big picture let's talk let's talk big picture um i'm getting so many different answers when i ask different people what the heck is going on why are we experiencing these uh shortages of material um You know, where is it coming from? It's not just like one thing. It's multiple things you got for us. It's, you know, springs, drums. um, uh, And then you got, we're being told, I got told yesterday that uh, aluminum um, is now on shortage. And they're worried that they're not going to be able to put the styles inside the doors because they can't get the aluminum to make them. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so here we are, uh, selling doors faster than ever. And, um, you know, we're in a little bit of a chaotic time and 
what do you say? What what do you think is causing these shortages? Well, I mean, you got so many uh, you got so many different industries that are vying for uh, the materials with which to build their product. Uh, you got the HVAC, you got electrical, you got the building, you know, you building siding, roofing. I mean, you got multiple automotive. different industries within the constru- automotive, within the construction industry that are basically in a bidding war for the materials that are out there. Um, and so, I mean, we're seeing everybody, you know, we're seeing across the board price increases across the board, some pretty hefty duty ones. Um, you know, I know most of them are going up in between 18 to I think the highest I've seen was 22 to 23 percent or something right. like that here yeah. within the next month. So um, that all has to play into it. I mean, it it you got you got a whole bunch of companies, a whole bunch of different manufacturers from across multiple industries that are bidding basically on the same material. That's that's my opinion as to why we're starting to see shortages uh, in aluminum, uh, specifically cast aluminum. I mean, we we got we got our first set of springs uh, that came without any without any cones. In it. We're like, just get us a spring. We'll figure out how to cone them and, and get them on. But uh, yeah, we we're we're definitely starting to see it out on 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 our end as well. Out yeah. in kind of the boondocks. And so you mentioned uh, prices. We are experiencing huge price increases. Do you think that's directly contributed to inflation? Do you think it has a part to do with it? Or do you think it really is just the highest bidders getting material and everybody's willing to bid as high as they can to get to stay in business? Because, I mean, you got companies like massive companies like Amar, Clopay, CHI, uh, and, and these companies are dependent on, you know, their workflows their processes and material. And if one of those things go sideways, then they're probably not profitable. They're probably having issues. And uh, so what do you think? Give me some feedback on what your thoughts are. Well, I think it all plays into it. Not only are they in a bidding war for materials, but I mean, just like any garage door company in the nation right now, uh, labor is a major issue. Um, the the labor market is is absolutely insane and so i mean in order to keep people you got to pay them better uh you know manufacturing facilities are no different from from what we're experiencing out out here in the field um and so all of that plays into it yeah you said uh, your workflow your processes and materials so in order in order to keep up with that uh and i know my experience with with my manufacturer i mean we're we're getting ready to experience a 19% increase uh, here come the middle of June. Um, but they, you know, I mean, they're working, they're working six days a week at 72 hours. Uh, you know, they're, I, they're, everybody's, everybody's working 72 hours. They're running double shifts, you know I mean? So the amount of money that they're having to pay out in the labor force just to keep their product rolling off the, off the line uh, is astronomical. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff out there in the different Facebook groups, you know, of uh, the manufacturers are getting fat cats and, you know, we're, we're sinking and, and, and dying out here in the, uh, you know, in the dealership realm. I don't agree with that at all. Um, if, if they're being, if they're making fat cats, why aren't we being fat cats as well? Uh, I mean, I'm not eating a 19% increase. I didn't eat this 8% increase I had a month ago. I didn't eat the 6% increase I had three months ago, you know? So um, it's all, a, it's all on how you approach your market, um, wherever your dealership's at it's, and it's how you play the game. Like my increase doesn't happen for another two weeks, but we've been bidding at that multiplier as soon as we found Good out. You. It. Yeah. That's so, the way I mean, it. you don't wait, you don't wait. Yeah. I mean, it, who who can afford to eat nineteen to twenty two percent? Especially on a big commercial job. I mean, that absolutely would, like almost end you. Yeah, I I uh, we created a calendar. Um, I probably should have did what you did, uh, but we created a calendar uh, where we put each manufacturer's increases on the day, so we can make sure that we're ordering everything prior. Uh, we updated the verbiage on our quotes. 
uh, which we probably need to change that to. Uh, Kevin Pike posted something on Facebook earlier, and uh, I really thought uh, like his verbiage was really good. It said, due to current market conditions, estimate prices are subject to change without notice. I mean, that kind of sucks, but that that helps you out. So if a customer's like, hey, we put that they're good for uh, 14 days, but that even that, if you're not, quoting at the higher price if you're within that window you're going to eat 20 percent um so yeah uh we gotta get that figured out internally too i was just at um i had to rush because i was hungry uh i went through a drive-through i don't know if you can read that i'll read it to you it was on the sign due to being understaffed please be patient and respectful to the crew thanks management guess who was working the uh the drive-through Probably the manager. The manager, 100%, bro. It's nuts, dude. Like, where we're at as a country right now and uh, the shortages of labor and stuff, uh, I just think it's a really tough time for everybody. Um, I, I Yesterday, I feel like I was at my breaking point. I had a, you know, I'm training a guy. I'm in a truck. I'm trying to run two businesses. Um and then I get back here and, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hanging out, relaxing a little bit. And um, it had been a really hot day. I mean, we've been in the high 90s, 100, somewhere around in there for the last few days. And this old boy is used to sitting in the office all day. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm wore out. And then I get a phone call at like 6.30, 6.45 p.m. Um, hanging out over at the marketing company and, uh, Josh is like, Hey man, are you still at the office? I'm like, Oh, I'm over at L. And he was like, uh, will you run over to Aaron over at doors? The CHI driver said, apparently, uh, we told him there would be nobody there after four o'clock. Uh, but he's saying he can't wait. And I'm like, what do you mean? Can't wait. <laughs> like, what? where is he going? Like, so, uh, anyway, long story short, I get over there. A guy's telling me that he picked up the, somebody else's rig, um, to help out and, uh, or a trailer. And, uh, there was a 16 by seven, uh, door with windows in every section, long panel. And he's like, sorry, I can't help you because, um, I'm having back surgery this week. And I'm like, and, and all those other doors are like piled on top you, of it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that truck drivers do. I'm sorry, my back hurts. Yeah. So, so I had to unload that by myself. I got cut in the truck, bleeding all down my leg, um, you know, trying to pick the parts. And I think he was so frustrated. He was like, dude, just whatever you want in here, you can take it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, nah, I didn't take anything. I didn't even get my strut that I couldn't find. So, um, I, I just, I feel like, um, you know, yesterday I got home, I was beat up, I was sore, I'm tired, I'm hot, I'm grouchy, I got cut, blood running down my leg, um, you know, I'm having to manhandle this, these two, two sections, these four sections bundled into two that are a little bit flimsy because for some reason we sold that as a two-layer door. Anyway, I won't get on my tangent. Um, and it, right. But, but... <laughs> You know, I, I would have rather been dealing with a three-layer door with windows because it's going to be a lot less flimsy and less chances of messing up. But the doors were mangled anyway because they were all, like, bent up and other doors had fallen on top of them. And I'm just like, dude, this is – we just waited how long? I think this order came in, like, January or February. Um, and uh, and how, you know, we got – I know for sure we got a broken frame on a door. And, um, yeah, it's just – it's frustrating. So – uh, when it comes to um, buying supplies and doors, are you adjusting your strategy? Are you stocking? Are you what? What are you doing different right now that you weren't doing before shortages and before all this mess? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Similar to you, I hate selling white raised panel doors, um, but. The fact of the matter is, is over 50% of the doors sold in the United States are white raised panel doors. There's so many different options out there. So for me, uh, I keep a small, uh, a small inventory of standard size doors uh, for the people that just drive through their door, you know, and, and, you know, instead of waiting two, three, four, five, six weeks to get a door in for that individual customer, we keep 
a small inventory here that we just, you know, we use one, we replace it, we use one, we replace it um, for those specific customers um, uh, because nobody in our area really stocks uh, materials. I mean, DCs are forever far away um, and, you know, capital, you know, when you start inventorying stuff, uh, it takes up capital and I'd rather have money in my pocket than in somebody else's pocket right. uh, waiting around. So I keep a small percentage of, of inventory around for, uh, for doors. I buy, uh, I buy a large amount of, of operators at a time, um, you know, to try to maximize uh, that type of stuff. Um, but as far my, my mindset is uh, when it comes to service, materials um operators spring struts extra track um i would much rather have that on hand and it's a lot cheaper really when it comes down to it than buying full doors um and things like that because even if you can't get a door in if we cannot get a door we can at least fix one enough to keep it operational yeah um and so and people are always going to need their doors no matter what state the world is in uh, people, especially up here, uh, negative, you know, during the wintertime, it gets negative, you know, negative 50, negative 40, you know, things like that. that. It's snowing all the time. That. People are going to want to, people are going to want to park in their, in their garage. So they're always going to want that. Uh, so my emphasis when I inventory things and I spend capital, it's so that I have the availability to last longer in the service game. If I can't get materials, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's my approach to to where I spend my capital. Because again, I want to keep as much of my money as I can instead yeah. of putting it in somebody else's pocket. Yeah. How long do you see this going on? I've asked multiple people, and I've gotten answers from three to six months from now, all the way up to a year and a half, two years. Um, do you see this going out two years? Uh, it's possible. Um, it's possible. Uh, I, I don't really know. Um, and I'm, I, I don't really want to speculate as to where I wish it would be over in six months, but <laughs> I highly doubt that. I mean, if we're wishing, um, I wish it was over now, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, frankly, this could be a norm until, uh, until some things happen at the, uh, legislative level, level, uh, really when it comes down to it. Uh, jobs, manufacturing, uh, producing our own steel instead of shipping off our recycled stuff and then buying it back at a premium. Um, I mean, that's, that is where our problem has originated from, for the most part. Um, So I I really don't know how to speculate as as to how long this thing is going to last, but you got to plan for it to last a while. Because if you, if you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Um, what kind of and, strategies and plans are you putting in place that you feel are helping you? Um, one is as soon as we find out about an increase, we're already bidding at that. Um, it's actually really helped on our sales line yeah, uh, sure. because we put that when we, when we, well, when we send that too, it helps our closing rate. When we send the info, when we send the estimate, even if the, even if the, uh, the, it hasn't the increase hasn't taken place yet. We put that in the estimate. Hey, this includes this price increase that's coming three weeks down the road. However, you can take certain amount of money off uh, if you choose, and you go ahead and sign. And it doesn't have to be the full the, amount either. Like you no, can just tell them ten percent. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so it's really helped on the sales side of things. But yeah, implementing that increase as soon as you get it. Um, because if you don't, you're setting yourself up to eat some money and with where our industry is, um, I should be texting my team, most prices, 20% effective right now. (laughs) Most door companies can't afford to eat even 8%, uh, of, uh, of, of their gross. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing, um, you know, I'm just like everybody else in the industry. I'm, I'm hiring for, I mean, yes, the industry is in chaos, but I'll, I mean, who's not busy right now? Right. If you're not busy right now, it's because you don't want to be. Yeah. 
So let's I mean, talk about industry. that real quick because I'm talking to a lot of people, a lot of business owners. I just posted in the GDT owners group, um, which is like one of my favorite. Uh, it's got a bunch of owners and managers in it. Um, and the feedback I'm getting, like this guy just posted, glad it's not just us. It's been stressful as hell lately. Uh, but I posted, um, I'm talking to many door companies that are stressed out, understaffed, overworked, and issues coming from customers, staff, and suppliers. Take a deep breath and evaluate how you can take care of your staff first because without them, you've got nothing. This may mean turning down jobs or providing late days in or early days off. You may tell them we need to buckle down and work our asses off to get through this and make it uh, make sure everyone is bought in. You may have to show how much you appreciate them in different ways. Maybe you can't afford to pay them extra right now, whatever, but time off or whatever. Uh, you know, get them a gift card for them and their wife because, you know, anytime we're pushing these guys this hard, I mean, it trickles down, right? Like their kids don't get to see them as much. Their wife, the wife's complaining, you know, whatever. Um, the people we need to protect the most right now is our staff, not the customers. The customers can handle it. Just hit them straight. Just a thought. Have a great day. And, um, so I, uh, I posted that this morning, um, <laughs> Troy, uh, he posted, I agree, but my boss is a slave driver and that's his wife. <laughs> just so right, know. Right. Um, but I, I think, you know, I had a conversation with another door dealer last night. Um, he and I are in very similar, uh, boat, you know, like almost identical. We were in expansion phase. We were, uh, we both signed leases on new, new properties, um, We've both had numerous people quit. Uh, we're both, you know, uh, checking with our employees and seeing who's on board and who's not on board. And and uh, it may, it comp, like as an owner, it can feel like uh, things are piling up on you. I mean, I've been back in a truck, you know, on and off for the past three or four weeks when I haven't had to rely on me being in a truck in three years, two and a half years. Um, I'm a little rusty, but I still got the job done and I was posting about it in the group, like how I was, you know, whatever, but we, we've gone up on spring changes dramatically, right? And people are paying it. No questions asked. Um, we're going up on, we've gone up on all of our prices. Um, you know, it's now it, it's, we have to, because we can't count on the door sales anymore and you have your fixed expenses and you got to cover those plus make your profit margin, which you're, you've are you been helping me with. Uh, and, guys, by the way, if you need a confidant, somebody that you can, like, talk to and someone who knows their numbers and is going to question you and hold you accountable for stuff, Matt is the man. Um, he's actually launching a uh, consulting company. Um, I, I'm not trying to plug you. What, you getting embarrassed, bro? Uh, a little bit. My, Don't get embarrassed, but you're good at it, man. And and listen, I, I think I think there's a lot of door guys out there, including myself, that's like they're either hardcore entrepreneurs where we're just like spend it to grow, you know, like, hey, let's go after it, you know, let's pay our guys a little extra. Let's do this, let's do that, let's buy the new trucks, let's get this, let's sign up this lease for this another property. Uh and you know, I've never been asked some of the questions that you've asked and, and I'm not going to claim to be like probably one of my biggest weaknesses is, uh, financial. And, um, you know, I think that's probably from what I talk to other owners, it's kind of across the board. And I feel like there's a huge need in our industry for people, um, to teach other people, um, how to manage your money in a service company, because it's not, it's not super easy with my marketing agency. It's so simple. We got subscription, right. we got money in. There's no out. materials involved. There's no materials. I mean, we got some tools. I got some overhead. I got employees. It's very easy for me to manage the finances. I know what my profit loss numbers are every month. I'm good. It's mass chaos at Aaron Overhead Doors. And no, it's my fault, 100%. It's all my fault, and I got to figure that out. Um, but uh, I've been talking with Matt about it, and so um, – Right now, uh, we, after, you know, I started putting a lot of effort into it. Um, May is going to be the first month we have hit our goal profit margin. Um, we've had to make some tough decisions. I let some people go. We've had some people quit. Um, and, uh, and now we're, we're kind of rebuilding a little bit. And honestly, uh, the people that have gone with the exception of one, 
there's one person that I had to let go that I absolutely adore and love, and it was one of the hardest people I've ever had to let go in my entire life. Every Everyone else um, that I've had to let go or uh, they left has been, um, for the most part, they didn't follow the process. They weren't completely bought in, and um, that is that is where we're at. And I think we're going to be better long-term for it, for the most part. Uh, and we'll see, right? Like we don't know, but I know I'm implementing a, um, well, I have implemented a, um, apprentice program and, you know, we've, we've hired, uh, really four people, uh, one who's already installing doors and doing a phenomenal job. Uh, we got another one who's about to get a truck here within the next two or three months installing doors. <laughs> um, and then I've got, uh, I've got one starting on uh, Tuesday, maybe two starting on Tuesday, but. I love this. We're starting apprentices out at $15 an hour, which is a little bit on the high side, but I, I think that's where we're at now. Um, I got an airplane mechanic from the military. I've got another cat that uh, is really handy with his, uh, both of them young, early, mid-20s. Like, uh, I mean, they're hungry. They want to work. They don't care about hours. They're just, they just want to work. Um, and so I'm going to bring these cats in here, and I'm going to push them to the limit and see how, how they got it. And, uh, and, and now I've got nobody in here that knows how to learn bad habits unless they form them themselves. Um, so, uh, let, let me speak to that though. Uh, so unless there is a clear defined, clear cut system, cause I'm, I'm a firm believer for the most part, there are some small exceptions that people aren't broken processes are. So right. your new your new guys that you got coming in, unless you have a system of accountability, unless you have a system of of, of training, uh, unless you have a system that keeps them accountable to what vision you are casting, they're going to develop their own bad habits. Yep. Um, so I've so got that, it right here. Let me just walk you through it real quick. Um, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I've got apprentice level one, and we've got this document here I'm looking at. Um, and this is, uh, we've got draft V1. It was created in March. Um, and uh, we kind of roughed it with the first couple people and was learning. But in order to get to apprentice level two, they've got to know the following, how to properly lift and carry doors, name of parts, name of tools, uh, how to build a hardware box, single, doubles, sevens, eights, uh, names of the brands we sell, how to properly strap down doors, and how to properly load and unload garage door sections on trucks. That's not asking a whole lot, but that's what you need to know to get to apprentice level two. And so when you get to apprentice level two, we got a whole list of things that you need to know. Uh, so let me, let me ask three. you this, Ryan. Let, yeah. let me ask you this. That, what do they need to know from a cultural standpoint? What do they need to know from a vision standpoint from you to then also be able to make it through the apprentice program, build on their future, see a future instead of just working their asses to the bone and uh and, and you know you, you had mentioned pushing them to, pushing them to the limit that's great and most people will follow along with you as long as they are on the same mindset same vision same tied in with you because you have the vision you're yep. creating and casting the vision so you've got you've got to align them with that yeah if they're not aligned and I feel like we do a pretty honest, good job of that. And we also challenge everybody to contribute positively to the culture every single day. So it's not my job to make the culture right. right. It's our job. So I, I'm, I'm all about extreme ownership and I think Jocko is freaking awesome and he's amazing. And yes, we can take the blame when we fail, but I think far too often owners assume too much responsibility and we need to, uh, we work here, not I work here. It's our problems, not my problem. It's, you know, because if it's my problem and I can't figure it out alone, it's going to end up being y'all's problem. So um, I'm a true believer in uh, challenging your team to help you find solutions to problems. Um, I'm extremely transparent. We have meetings. If I feel like everybody's down or not in a good mood or whatever, I'll just stop the meeting and I'll be like, all right, what's going on? Like, let's have a conversation. Right. Um, I'm right. also casting vision. I'm talking about, we're addressing things. I don't just have meetings just to have meetings. I mean, we, 
we have 15 minute daily huddles. I've mentioned that in the past, but, um, you know, I, I have meetings, but if I feel like we need to address something, we address it, but, uh, we implement our core values. We talk about vision casting. We talk about where we're going. Um, and you know, ultimately like these guys want to know, how does this impact me? Can I come to a workplace where it's a positive culture, um, and they're going to train me and pour into me and can I make a good living once I get trained and, and, uh, and ready. And I think the answer to all of those here right now, we're, this is how we're built. Uh, we're actually built for this, the apprentice program. Um, I do very well with mentoring younger cats and, uh, you know, trying to raise them up. And if they get to the point where they get really good here and they want to go out and start their own thing, I'm that guy that's going to be like, all right, dude, let's map it out. Let me see. Let me help you out. Like, what do you need? Let's walk through everything. I'll help teach you things I learned that hurt me when I started my company or help me. Yeah. I, I'm not, you're going anyway, and I'm going to either do it gracefully or I'm going to be an asshole to you. And I don't feel like there's a need to be an asshole. If you're going to start your own company, I'm an entrepreneur. I know the call on my life. I could never work for somebody else. I just suck at it. Um, and so this is who I am and I don't want to hold anybody back from their dreams. So wherever it goes, right? Like I know that we're going to probably, uh, what we used to say in the car business is you got to flood the floor sometimes. And then, you know, uh, you're going to get some good ones in that are willing to work and you're going to get some that are going to fall off. And, um, and so I think I'd rather train people our way and let them understand the air and overhead doorway than bring in a bunch of people who have experience and bring in the ways that they've always done it in and just not willing to change. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good, man. How are you, Roman? Doing great. I just wanted to reach out and let you guys know how grateful I am that Somer has been a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Yeah, fifth season already. We've had four really good seasons and a lot of good success for us. That's great to hear. At this point, though, I think everybody's pretty much heard of you guys that follow the podcast. What do you think we could say to make your ad stand out for season five? Well, I think we've been working really hard on customer service, making sure that our team and everyone knows all the technical things they need to know to make sure we get uh, the best and quickest service to both homeowners and dealers. Um, we've also been putting a lot of stuff out there to improve product knowledge so that customers know how to or so dealers and technicians can know how to troubleshoot or know, you know, what all our operators are capable of, because there's a lot of stuff, even stuff that's not in the manual. And um, we're continually improving the product. We've had a couple of new software releases in the last year. Um, we're continually adding additional accessories, and we've got some even new operators in the pipeline that we're excited about. So you guys got a lot going on. That is great. Am I allowed to talk about how awesome you guys have been through all the shortages and price increases? You guys have been like steady Eddie, like you didn't skip a beat, no quality issues to my knowledge or anything. Well, summer is a German company. You know, we, we do things slowly, but we're, we try to do them well. That is super true. You guys have a great team and I am so thankful and proud to have you guys as a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Hey, Torsion Talk family. If you haven't tried Somer yet, I challenge you to reach out and start a conversation today. Not only is the product great, but Roman and his team are super knowledgeable. I can call him and troubleshoot or just ask advice because he's been in my shoes. If you're ready to chat with the team at Somer, call 877-766-6607. Bifolding overhead doors are simply cool. Therefore, if you install one, you too are cool. All kidding aside, Schweiss makes the best bifold door on the market. So when you have an opportunity to sell a bifold, Check them out first. As a matter of fact, Bifold security doors are hot right now. If you check out their website, Bifold.com, you can see hundreds of ideas on how businesses are using Bifold doors. They have tons of photos on their website. They've supplied doors, Bifold doors, for restaurants, basketball stadiums like Golden One Center in Sacramento, retail stores, and even spectacular homes. These doors are a game changer and a statement piece. If you want a project that will draw attention, sell Schweiss door. Tell them Ryan with Torch Talk Podcast sent you. Visit bifold.com. That's B-I-F-O-L-D.com. And, um, and so I think I'd rather train people our way and let them understand the air and overhead doorway than bring in a bunch of people who have experience and bring in the ways that they've always done it in 
and just not willing to change. For sure. For sure. I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, cause trying to find an experienced guy nowadays, uh, is, is real tough. Um, you know, unless you're, unless you're subcontracting out. Um, and so that training and bringing people in and training them in the, in, in your philosophy and in your vision, cause it's easy. It's easy as an entrepreneur to lose, to be not to lose focus, but to look, to look so far ahead because, I mean, frankly, our brains are, are designed to think three, four, five years down the road. It's easy to then forget about what's behind you because you, you get tunnel vision. Okay, this is where I'm going. This is where I want to be. This is how I'm going. When in actuality, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of the people downstream from you are looking at right now, Yeah, what's happening right now. And so, uh, to be honest with you, I lost uh, I lost my longest tenured technician here uh, two weeks ago uh, because I did I lost focus of that and what I was trying to build and what I was doing, and I didn't I didn't clearly communicate. Mine's gone what today. I wanted from this is last day. Yeah, my longest. So tenure. you know it, it 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 it's easy to it's easy to focus so much on where you want to go and where you want to be that you lose focus you lose sight of where you're at right now yeah um and that's where system development comes in that's where that's where those the people and casting that vision and having people involved and in line with your vision their core values their core competencies and that's another that's another whole aspect of of employees uh, is bringing them in with their core competencies. You can definitely have the right person in the wrong seat. Yeah. And once you put them in that wrong seat, uh, either either you've got to change seats for them laterally or or further forward because you can't cultural wise you can't give somebody pulling backwards. That never works. Ever works. That never works. You can you can never demote somebody or put them in a position that's lower than where you put them in. So it's very important when you're putting key people in place um, to, to make sure that they are the right fit in that seat. Yeah, um, That's the easiest way to burn somebody out that's an incredible employee. And I've done it multiple times. So talking about burning out and like today and, you know, guys feeling appreciated, like I feel like as an owner, it's so easy to get caught up. You're watching the numbers, you're training guys, you're this, that, you're, you're managing the company, ordering parts, whatever. Um, and then you wake up one day and one of your best guys come in and is like, hey man, uh, I'm putting in my two-week notice. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know? Yep. And it, it may come as a surprise to you, but maybe everybody else is like, we saw this coming. And yep. it's like, how how far are we from... Uh, reality, like where we really need to be. Um, I'm, I'm talking to like six or seven service professionals right now from other companies in the local area about potentially coming on board. Um, cause I do want like an experienced guy. Um, and so, you know, the common thing that I keep hearing from everybody, the same thing. So there's one thing that I'm hearing from just about everybody. You want to know what it is? Yeah. So, it is through this whole experience this past year, I want to spend more time with my family and I want to go somewhere who's going to appreciate that and allow that to happen. I can no longer work till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. I want to be home with my family. And I think that is sentiment across the board with a lot of people. So um, I'm listening. I'm listening to my team. We're asking for feedback and uh, you know, I've, told everybody here, I feel like five jobs, um, a day for a service professional was good. I actually, uh, with the price increases and the prices that we're hitting people at now for repairs, because this is where I want to hit them at so that I can adjust the schedule. We can accomplish the same amount on three jobs that we can five if we do it right. And so now we are, telling our guys, look, we're, we're working on trying to get to a three shift deal, right? We're going to have a morning shift. You get three jobs, three hour windows, the overlap one hour. 
we may put a warranty on you or like a annual service or something like that as a fourth job, but whatever. And then we're going to have an afternoon shift and then a nights and weekend shift. Um, and then try to cover 24 seven, but nobody's overworked. Right. I mean, you're working three, you're working three to three to three and a half jobs a day. Uh, if the numbers work out the way that we plan and they look like they are, um, we just have to raise our prices and charge the right amount, then yes, we may be the most expensive place in, in Atlanta, but I got, I got, I got, I got good guys have a great work life balance. They're yep. working seven, eight hours a day, you know, and maybe getting home early if they, if they, you know, whatever. But we've in, in order for that to happen. Now we've got to get really serious about like, okay, we have to make this much per month per tech in order for this to happen. So then we got to start watching the numbers and we got to start making sure that we're charging enough and all that. So, um, I, I like, you know, I have a conversation. I talked to Tommy Mello yesterday. I, I kind of came up with this through the thought process of how he, he kind of talks a lot where he's like, dude, I don't care what the average price is. I take my expenses. I put my uh, margin on it that I want. And then, you know, I price out my products to get certain numbers that I need. And if it's out of whack, it's out of whack, like whatever. Um, so you know, along those thinking, like I think a lot of times we're so focused on pricing products out based on um, particular margin or what our competitors are charging or what we've always charged. When in reality, like what do you want your company to look like? And then what should you be charging and how should you be charging to get to that point? Yes. And now, yes. now as an owner, we're in control and we can create yes. that environment and take care of our people better and pass that down. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and I'll echo Tommy a little bit here uh, on this. I went back VDDC. Uh, I went back and listened to um, our panel discussion, the one that we, the one that we had, and he, he's not wrong. Um, you know, 20% is not out of reach for anybody. Um, you know, when 20% net it, profit, you mean net profit, uh, uh, bottom line. 20% net net profit on the bottom line. Do you take that home at the end of the year? No, heck no. You invest that back into your company and still make a good living. And if it you take the Mike McCallowicz route, he says 50% goes to the shareholders, 20% goes back to your people as profit sharing, and then the other 30 goes back into your business to help for growth or stability. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what the the problem with the problem with bidding out uh, projects on a margin based off of the average in your marketplace. Those are the companies that are doing five to 10%. That's because that's what you're doing. That, that is what you're looking at. You're saying, okay, um, this is the average margin around here. This is the average markup. Uh, some people use markup. Some people use margin. I use markup um, and I do well with it. Um, if anybody's interested in how I do things, go Feel free to feel free to reach out to me, contact me, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. But get blown um, up, right? I'm just kidding. I, man, I'm I'm I I got no problem with this because to just be again, mindful of his time, y'all, because I do know for a fact my family gets a little frustrated sometimes because I ne almost never turn down a call when somebody calls like a door guy calls me asking for advice. So uh, I'll be on the phone sometimes for an hour, hour and a half because I'm so passionate about helping people. Um, so be mindful of his time, but yeah, reach out to him. He told you. He yeah. Could. So to echo Tommy, uh, charge what you want, charge what you want, determine what you want to make. Here's the bottom line is if you let everybody's average around you dictate what you charge, you're doing it wrong. Straight up. You're doing it. wrong. We, as the industry do not make enough money. <laughs> right. We don't hold ourselves to the standards of other industries. And we do it to ourselves. We blame our manufacturers by charging us too much money. Yeah. Then we go back to bitch the manufacturers of, hey, lower my prices, lower my prices, lower my prices. No, raise your freaking price. Well, I do have one complaint. Like, I think that, and this is why I'm excited about the price increases, but I think they, if you have a warehouse and the overhead of like being a legit company and having volume, um, and then you have like guys who uh, work out of their house, uh, one or two man shows. 
like the price difference between them and us is not significant. Like if you, you know, if you're buying a 16 by seven, three layer door, it's what a hundred dollars difference maybe yeah. between what I pay and what they pay. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what they pay, but I'm, I'm guessing based on previous things I've heard, there's not a big difference. Um, I think that gap needs to be bigger. Um, and maybe with some of these increases, we can kind of create that like a little bit more of a volume difference. I didn't think before there was enough room to create the bigger volume. So, um, do you, do you want those people that are going to price, uh, and look at, cause I mean, you, you, you run a marketing company, uh, your SEO, your Google reviews, things like that are important. And so do you want the people who are going to shop for the cheapest prices, your customers to begin no. with? I don't care. You're, you're always going to have that. The HVAC industry has that. The HVAC industry, white heating and, and, and cooling, they, they've got a freaking huge building just up the street from me. But then there's also a guy, Aaron's Furnace and, and whatever, who runs stuff out of his house, you know, and goes and picks it up from, from a wholesaler here in town. Like every industry has those people. Right. It just and and what they do works for them. But we but can't. You, you can't be pricing your product to compete with those people. That's no, what I'm absolutely. saying. Like if you've got a warehouse oh, okay, okay, and you okay. got all that, like if a if they're charging three hundred dollars for a spring change and you're like, well, I really need to be charging this for a spring change, but you're charging three hundred because you're trying to be competitive. You don't need to roll the truck out if you're not going to be profitable and be in the margins that you need to be in. So stick to your guns, figure out what the price needs to be and charge that. And don't worry about the competition. Like right now, dude, I've never seen anything like it before. We're booked out two weeks right now, two weeks on repairs. That has never yeah. happened. I'm asking my dispatchers, like, are we getting cancellations? Are we, are, are you having a hard time booking? She's still booking at, at the 90% rate that she's usually booking at. I'm like, what is happening? She's like, I don't know. Everybody's just willing to wait right now. And yeah. I'm like, are you telling them things? And she's like, half of them aren't even asking. They're like, okay, if that's early she got, we'll take it. Um, and so it's crazy. Like, it's just wild. And she's even telling people prices. Like, if people call in for doors, like, we're like, oh, our doors are starting at two grand. And they're like, okay, send them out. And we're like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, so, I mean, we're, we're trying to, like, let people know, hey, listen, here's where we're at. If you're cool with this price range, let's rock and roll. And and people are doing it. So one of the one of the coolest things that I did, or one, of, I guess one of the best things that I did for my company was I decided what I wanted to make at the end of the year and work backwards from there. Kind of like so, profit first mentality. Pretty much. Um, and so, and this was before I even knew about motor, motorbike. I, I always <laughs> want to call them motor, motorboat, Mike, <laughs> motorboat, Mike. Um, this was before I even knew about them. So I determined what I wanted to make at the end of the year. I figured, okay, historically my expenses are going to run in between 23 and 28%. There's a, there's a margin depending on the year. So what do I need my gross profitability to be to end up with 20% at the bottom line? And then that is the, that is the, uh, that is the gross profit target that I put for the company. Okay, if your job is below, now we have different lines. I track different, uh, six different lines, commercial, residential, retro, new, install, service, both residential, commercial. One line is going to make up for another line. New construction, commercial, it's real tough. Uh, in this market to make 45 to 50% gross profit. I don't want new construction on a, on a new construction. I love new construction jobs up here. Yeah. Um, if, if I could run my company completely on construction, both install and, and service, I completely, you, I mean, it's probably less drama, but it's less margin, right? Not necessarily retrofits are the same margins that my residential line is, is doing. Uh, but your service line is obviously, you know, your service line makes up for uh, some of your other stuff. Yeah. Um, or at least it should, if you're not, if you're not grossing in between 65 to 75% uh, or uh, gross profit, 65 to 75% on your uh, um, commercial service work, change your structure. Yeah. Uh, because it is the most profitable line in our industry. Yeah. 100%. And I, Nobody would disagree with me unless you're not playing in that game. 
And there's lots of companies that don't even play in the commercial realm. And that's fine because what they do, it works for them. Right. Up here, I do everything. You know, we do everything up here because we're not in a market that can just dictate with my growth plans and goals. But um, yeah, it's, it's work backwards from what you want. Understand, look back at your history and say, okay, my expenses, you know, as I grow, are they growing at the same or less, hopefully, uh, percentage wise? And then you got, and then price yourself out uh, to, to make that gross profit margin uh, what you need to be. You know, your, your gross, um, what did uh, uh, Motorboat say? Sales minus gross profit equals expenses. Yep. In that, in that, how he wrote, I, I've got it written down in my book. But Sales minus expenses equals growth profit, right? That too. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. So, um, but yeah, so work backwards. If you want 20%, figure out how to price yourself at 20%. If you want 10%, 10% is not bad. If you want 10%, I mean, 10% on three and a half million dollars is a pretty good chunk of change, you know? Um, so, whatever you want, not everybody is shooting for the moon. Not everybody's shooting, um, for the stars. I mean, well, what motivates me, I'm not like a, uh, I'm not a greedy person. I don't, I don't need a lot. Um, I don't really like prior to really talking to Mike, uh, about the profit sharing thing. I wasn't really motivated to hit a 20% margin or anything close to that. Um, now, I'm like, how do we get to 20, 25% net profit? Because I would love to take 20% of that and divide it up amongst my employees and us all celebrate together. Like that would be cool. And that's a motivating factor for me. Like now I'm like, okay, cool. I, I can, I can, I can see me pushing hard to get to that number for that. Hitting so the 20- cool, at the end of this last year, Ryan, and it was my first year to be able to do it. And it was such a, it was such a cool experience for me. I, uh, at the end of the year, I had 20, uh, 23, 24 employees, something like that. I was able to take 70 grand and give it to my staff. It was the coolest experience that I've ever had. That's why I'm going to shoot. That's awesome. That's why I want to be at 20%. So I can drop that kind of money in, in the people that help make me money yeah. and the people that help make me grow and the people that, because I'm, I'm not their boss. I'm just upstream support for them. And so I, I enjoy being able to do that. Um, and so that's why I just, you know, that's why I build this thing. That's yeah. why I want to grow. That's why I want to be in multiple markets. That's why I want to expand, you know, People that are doing the five to ten percent, they they're good with that because they don't want to open up new shops. Yeah, you know, and that's fine. That's great. That's you know whatever. However, you want to structure your company is how you want to do it. But if you've got plans for growth, you better be shooting for that twenty percent. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I I actually, I uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this because I run a marketing company. But um, after our conversation with you, I have literally cut. 90% of my marketing spend because my phone's ringing like crazy and I was still pumping AdWords. I was still pumping everything. And, and I'm like, dude, what am I doing? Like I'm killing my team. I'm, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we don't have the capacity anyway. So I cut it all still booking out two weeks and all of my stuff's coming from SEO organic, every bit of it. And we are absolutely killing it. And uh, I pay a thousand dollars a month for SEO to my marketing agency and um, we kill it. We kill it. Like, I, yeah. I, and I'm going to ride it. I canceled Yelp. I canceled this. I canceled that. Um, and now my marketing budget's down like 90%. And here I am like still doing really well. And, uh, and, and I couldn't get to the jobs even if I was spending the money. And so, um, I feel, I feel really good about it. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, not to give a shout out or a squeeze, but, uh, or do any shilling here, but, um, I, uh, I've got the best team in the world, in my opinion, as far as SEO and garage door industry. And, um, you know, I think now's the time 
that companies, if they're not doubling down on SEO, like this is it. I think you back off the paid ads. I think you back off of the, the, com- the competitive stuff where you're going to get price shoppers and you focus on building your reputation and you focus on building your SEO and optimizing your site for the type of customer that you want, you want to call you. Um, and those, those things right now, I think are going to be extremely important. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I took a lot of my money out of, well, I never paid for ads or anything like that anyway, but I put my money out of, um, out of, uh, I'm no longer in the phone book. Who's in the phone book anymore? Um, you know, we were for a long time. Uh, one of my texts came in and goes, do you realize we're not in the phone book? I said, yeah, there's a reason for that. I was spending money and the people that were calling me from those numbers were solicitors. So, yeah. because they can track all that. But, um, so I took all that money and I put it in the billboards, you know, I've how are those billboards. doing for you? Dude, that's freaking killing it. Man. I love it. Uh, you know, we it's run a brand strategy. Was that, it's a brand. I don't even consider that advertising. I consider that branding. No. It's total and, brand and strategy. Definitely a brand building. And so we we use that. We do fun giveaways and stuff like that for people who, you know, find our billboards, take a selfie with our billboards, post it on our Facebook page. So, yeah, it's, a, it's more of a brand building. Yeah. We don't. The only thing we put on there uh, about garage doors is our, our logo, Alpha Overhead Door. But at the very bottom, it just says we fix garage doors. Uh, other than that, it's, it's all about. It's all about our branding and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's important. Um, it, it, it's important as, as entrepreneur, excuse me, entrepreneurs to, to really dive into your books. And I personally, I like year over year comparisons, uh, so that you can find anomalies. Yeah. Um, I found one yesterday that I'm like, what the heck is this? And so I asked my bookkeeper, what the heck is this? And they explained it to me uh, from last year. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we were making up because, you know, 2019 wasn't a great year for me uh, with yeah, me building and, and all of that type of stuff. It was, it was basically we're paying out more money last year to catch up uh, from, you know, from 2019. I'm like, why are we paying a whole lot less in this area this year than we did last year? And so to be able to find those and explain those anomalies, uh, whether they're in your gross profit line or your or your expense line, um, it, they're very important to look at and and be aware of what you have going on. If you have an idea of what you're doing, 25% is my expenses. Okay, I want to be at 45 to 50% then on my gross profit, which you know all of your cost of goods play into that above that line. So. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a fun, I'm, I never, uh, if you had asked me to look at my books and be able to dig through and find, uh, uh, money, I mean, you find your money and expenses, you know, being mindful, uh, Adam, Adam Weber even said it in that, uh, in, in our, uh, in BDDC, if you're mindful of your pennies, your dollars will follow. Yeah. Well, your pennies are spent in your expenses. Yeah, <laughs> that that's where they're at, and so um, you just you've got to you got to you got to look at it and and determine it. And you don't have to have a a degree in accounting. I never went to school. I never took an accounting class in my life. It's just a matter of wanting to know where you're at, where you're being, and 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 running your money. You run your money instead of your money running you. Right. A lot of times business owners run around helter skelter, stressed out because they have no idea where their money's going. I've been there. That's me. I've been there. Yeah, I'm now getting um, everything in order, but I waited way too long. I think I knew it was a mess, so I was like almost like, you know what? I'm going to push it off as long as I can and because I, I, I can't mentally yeah. deal with it right now. Like we're growing, we're doing this, you know, I've got a pretty good grip on what's going on, but I don't have all the details and I was safe there. That was safe space. Right. Like, and I know people are listening right now, shaking their heads like, yes, that's me. And I'm going to tell you right now, by the way, no, we're not live. Oh, okay. (laughs) But they're going to, they're going to, uh, like they're listening and they're thinking, yes, that's me. And what I would tell you is dive in like, 
if even if you don't know where to start, just just start somewhere, right? Like, uh, what are the what are the key reports? What are the key reports that you suggest that these guys start looking at? Uh, so on a monthly basis, you should be looking at your P and L, uh, your profit and loss. Um, uh, profit doesn't mean that's statement. what you got in the bank account. No, it's just, yeah, it's That's just whatever system, theory that whatever accounting have. system you're running should be able to generate a profit and loss. At the top of your profit and loss is your income. Below that is your cost of goods, which spits out your gross profit uh, percentage. Below that is all your expenses, what you're spending on fuel, uh, um, health insurance, if you're doing that. Um, uh, overhead, everything falls into you that. You put then fuel you get, and, um, and expenses or you put it in cost of goods sold because it's uh, in a mine, mine's, mine's in cost of goods uh, okay. under an indirect job cost uh, uh, line. And um, so, yeah. So let's my talk percentages up. real quick because I think this is important and we're going to wrap up here in a second. Um, I'm a big I'm a big believer in percentages. So when I open up my P&L, I got it, I got it saved as uh, the 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 option for percentage of income. That's what you want. You want you want your numbers and you want to see percentage of income by category. So cost of goods sold, Matt, what's a good number for a company, a healthy company? What percentage of their cost of goods sold, uh, what percent of their income should that be? So, okay, to answer that, to answer that question, I, I'm not going to give you a direct uh, percentage but to answer that question, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about. Decide what you want at your bottom line. Yeah. <clears throat> Look at your then expenses and then figure out where you got to be income wise. Because your income minus your cost of goods equals your gross profit. And so, depending on where you want to be, and because it's going to be different for different people, not everybody throws freight up in a cost of goods. Not everybody throws the technician's labor up in the cost of goods. It's yeah. down the expenses under under admin payroll. So there's a lot of variances. It, it depends on how you have your chart of account set up, um, which which I we redid in 2016. We just basically wiped wipe the board clean and started a new set of books in 2016. Since then, I have changed my chart of accounts and where things fall on my P&L probably two or three different times to help, to help me better understand yeah. according to what I wanted to know where things are at. And so and that's the difference from someone who doesn't know what's going on, looking at reports briefly, thinking everything's good to taking ownership of your finances, working in them monthly or weekly, and then making adjustments to where you can better understand your finances. That's the Absolutely. difference between your books, keeping you or you keeping your books, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. My dad, my dad run the company as he looked at top line, he looked at bottom line. As long as it was relatively in line, he goes, okay, we're good. You know, and, and not really digging into everything. And that worked for him. Yeah. It worked for him where he was at and where he wanted his company. He didn't have my growth goals, my, my plans of expansion and things like that. So he, he then, uh, as long as it, they correlated somewhat and that fall within a range, he, he was good with that. But yeah, as far as a specific percentage of cost of goods, I can't give you that. Um, I would tell, I will tell you, try to figure out inventory uh, because if you're just dropping inventory on your P&L and not taking care of it on a balance sheet yeah. and then pulling that, pulling that information over from your balance sheet into your P&L. For those of you guys listening and not watching, that's me. So, <laughs> so I think a lot of companies do that. You know, and I did, I used to, a yeah. year ago, I was doing that thing. And then, and then I was like, why is my bottom line so messed up when I've got $50,000 worth of openers <laughs> right. sitting out in my shop, yeah. what the hell is going on? And, and my accountant is like, did you go through all these? I go, no, I got 50,000 sitting out there. He goes, why are they not in an inventory account, an asset account on your balance sheet? Yeah. I'm like, uh, cause I didn't know, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't know what I didn't know. So yeah, if it, uh, and, and I know we got to wrap up. So uh, specific percentage on, on, on cost of goods, I, I can't give it to you because there's so many variables as yeah. to what people are tracking. I've always been told in business and it wasn't necessarily like home services, but 
you want to be between like 50 and 60% um, uh, ideally of your gross profit. But again, it depends on what you consider gross profit and what expenses are cost of goods sold. So that's variable. And that, and those numbers were given to me, not, not in home services. Um, So then you work your way down, you got fixed expenses. um, And again, that's variable because it depends on what you consider fixed versus cost of goods. Uh, and then you work your way down to your net profit margin, uh, which is uh, what you technically make, not exactly what's in your bank account. Yeah, that um, does not equate <laughs> right. to what's in your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I like the first time I don't, worked don't at P&L. Yeah, but, uh, like I used to run a P&L for a, market, or for a software company for my department. And then when I started my company, I got my P&L and I'm like, so we made this much? what's going on with my bank account and how come it doesn't look like that? And uh, my accountant was like, yeah, that's not an indicator of how much money you have. That's just how much profit you made. And I'm like, okay, I get it. So, um, yeah. Well, Matt, I feel like this is a freaking home run and people are going to love it. And this is timely. Like I think a lot of people need this right now. Um, is there anything you want to share, uh, with the audience? we hang up um dig into your books know your numbers uh if you don't know where to start i know there's a few people out there that have that are that are willing to talk about it uh i'm i'm one of them uh i'm not going to give anybody else's name because they can they can do it on their own uh but i've heard a few other people uh that i've been in contact with and, and we've talked numbers and things like that that are that are definitely willing to help so if you need help reach out um, you know, cause we're all here as an industry, we're all, uh, you know, there's, there, there's, there's safety in numbers, so to speak. Um, and so reach out, um, I'm more than willing to help anybody out where I can. Um, and, uh, yeah, be and good, I'll just, charge what you, charge yeah. what you want, charge what you need, charge what you're worth. Uh, I'm going to pass that on to you too, Mr. Matt Weber, because the value that you delivered to me and the value delivered to everybody else, you need to charge what you're worth for your consultant. Um, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and guys, listen, um, like throw these guys a bone. If they tell you they'll do it for free, they're stupid, but, um, throw them a bone, just, uh, send them a gift card, something. If they're not charging, um, you know, show your appreciation because, uh, I know for one, like I'm not asking this for myself. Uh, I actually do consulting and I charge for it, but, um, you know, I, I know that it can be time consuming helping people out, but I love it. I'm passionate about it. I know Matt's passionate about it. Um, if you guys, um, you know, want consulting, I know he's getting his thing ramped up. He knows his stuff y'all. And, um, and I sent him my numbers, uh, had him sign an NDA so he can't share that information with anybody else. So we're locked into that conversation. You can do the same, have him sign an NDA, show him your numbers. You guys set up a consultation. Uh, he'll walk you through everything. It was very, uh, eye opening. Uh, he has some great suggestions and, um, and I'm going to continue to work with him as soon as my head stops spinning. So listen, I appreciate you guys and you are in control. Like, don't forget that. Like, you can change things today to make them look the way you want them to, even during this storm. So understand that you are in control. That may be uncomfortable for you to raise your prices to double or raise them 50% or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for you. But imagine your company the way you want it and then adjust your prices to help you get there. Uh, yes. We love you guys. Stay strong. Don't give up. You can do this. And if you need yes. one of us, we're here for you. Uh, make for it sure. through. Uh, you guys are badasses. Uh, door guys, um, this might be the tough part, but I can guarantee you if you make it through this, you're going to be stronger than ever. So for that, peace out. <laughs>